Well, good morning, friends, and it's so good to see you again. And I trust that in spite of what's going on in the world, that you're enjoying your summer. I know we're, uh, we're moving through summer pretty quickly here. And um, want to continue uh, this week and next week our series in the book of First Peter. And uh, one thing that I've been thinking about is there has been really a, a fresh move of anti-authority. Uh, uh, we've seen it in different ways. And there are periods of times when, when people seem to rise up against authority structures and, and buck that. Uh, they're hostile uh, to the control that is exerted on them. And uh, there's a movement like this can be fraught with lots of violence and challenges and protests and be met with a lot of force. Uh, we've seen that in China with mainland China and Hong Kong and, and just uh, the, the combative nature and how people have been hurt through that, the rioting confronted. And then we've got George Floyd and what's happened here in North America and how that has swept across uh, not only the states, but even the whole world. And uh, there's the sense that uh, Authority structures are, are overstepping their, their uh, territory and causing problems. And uh, this has been challenged. Um, and you can get so jaded about all of these things that authority uh, can be very corrupt, but sometimes the attitude is, you're not telling me what to do, and if you're an authority figure, then I don't like you, and I don't want anything to do with you, and I will not submit to you. And I was thinking about where does all this come from? And uh, I think what I want to suggest to you is that we are hardwired as human beings to rebel. Uh, from infancy, starting right there, we're, uh, we're rebellious in nature. Have you ever watched a child and uh, they are supposed to go to bed, a toddler, and they don't want to go to bed or they want something to eat and you won't let them have that to eat and they just lose it. They fly off the handle. They're kicking, screaming, jumping, shouting, crying. Uh, have, you, have you seen what it is, even with, a, even with a toddler, to take and say, now, don't touch that plant. And they look defiantly into your eyes and do it and dare you to challenge them. See, that's kind of hardwired into us. Uh, my mom would tell me I was such a sweet, wonderful kid growing up until I hit my teen years. And then something went off and I got mouthy and rebellious and I'm not proud of those things, but um, there we are, uh, challenged in that kind of a way. And so begins a journey of rebellion. In fact, in the prophet Isaiah, the 53rd chapter, uh, we read this, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his or her own way. I think that's what uh, Frank Sinatra was saying when he said, I did it my way. You're not going to tell me what to do. I'll do my own thing. Now, the interesting thing is God is the one who's established all of the authority structures, the authority of the home, the authority of the church, and the authority for state or government. The problem is that those authority structures can be corrupt, self-serving, abusive, and, and unjust. And as children, 
we begin to learn what it is to respond to authority through our parents. In fact, they are God's uh, caretakers uh, for God. And we learn even respect and following the lead of parents at that time. Uh, they're the first ones that teach us that. All God-ordained authority, though, is for the benefit, not for the one who has the authority, but it's for the benefit of those who are being led. Uh, and and uh, we need to keep that right at the heart of this. Now, why am I saying this? Why am I talking about anti-authority and authority structures and that kind of thing? Well, I'm saying that because this. Uh, Peter is writing in his letter... Uh, he's writing to help a group of people in Asia Minor. They are Christians. Most of them were Gentile Christians who, who turned from their sinful ways and became followers of Jesus. But something happened in the process of that. They were starting to pay for their faith. People didn't like their faith. They didn't like them. They began to persecute them. And there was trials and sufferings and all of those kinds of things going on. And, and so they were so challenged by that. And when Peter writes, he writes to the leaders of the churches because he wants to help them so that they can help the, the members in their congregations. And, uh, and so we see this that Peter wants to speak to those authority structures, the leadership that's in the church. And he wants through them to be able to help the church members. Uh, when Paul was establishing churches, he would establish churches and then he would retrace his steps and he would appoint leaders in all the congregations. And uh, so what we have here is Peter speaking to the leaders of these congregations to help them. I want you to notice in 1 Peter uh, chapter 5, uh, it, we're, we're working in the first five verses today, but uh, look at what it says about Peter's humble approach in the first uh, two verses. Peter says this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder and a witness of Christ's sufferings who will also share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, watching over them. I want to stop there just for a moment. And I want you to see Peter's response. And I want you to see what, what he's saying. He says this, to the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder. I want to give you a little history on Peter because Peter was a leader. He was a natural born leader. He was, uh, he had the personality for it. He had that take charge attitude. He was self-assured. He could be a little proud and he could be a bit of a braggart at times. And, and at one case where Jesus is um, asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And, and then he, they began to give their answers to that. And Peter gave an answer. And this was Peter's answer. You are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the very son of God. And, and Jesus affirmed that statement and Peter, who Peter was. And he said about Peter at that occasion, he says this, Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not overcome it. Peter was privileged, you see, not only to be one of the 70 disciples, not only to be one of the 12 apostles, but to be among the three 
uh, of the inner core of Jesus group. Not only was he in the inner core, he was the leader of that small group. And as the church would begin, it was Peter who would lead the church in that way. Peter was the spokesperson on the day of Pentecost when he stood up and give a, gave a sermon. And 3,000 people came to faith in Jesus on that one occasion. And uh, here we see the eminent apostle. We see the guy who is the boss's boss's boss, if you will, in the church at that time. And uh, what we see here is that uh, though he could have come in with some measure of swagger and tell them what they're about to do, he comes in and he says to, an el to the elders, I appeal to you as a fellow elder. I'm just a fellow elder with you guys. You know, it's not just Peter way up here. Peter was down with the people. And uh, there was a sense of camaraderie, not this high and mighty attitude. He got down with the elders and he wraps, if you will, his arms around them. We're all one in this group. This notable, notable apostle was just one of the guys. He doesn't pull rank on that at all. Well, Peter himself says, I was a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Now, I know Peter just left the Lord at certain times during his suffering, but he was seeing some of what happened to Jesus. He was seeing the suffering that Christ had gone through. And uh, he is encouraging them because not only did Christ suffer, but he suffered also for the sake of the gospel. And he's now trying to be an encourager to those who themselves as leaders in the church are going through suffering. He wants to help them as they lead through this difficult time. Suffering in faith for Jesus. Peter could relate to his readers. Uh, Peter could identify with them because he was beaten and put in jail and questioned and, and badgered. And, and then he was let out and he considered it pure joy that he could suffer for the name of Christ. He had some moral authority on which to speak in this territory. There was something else. Uh, Peter and the elders shared not only in the suffering of Christ, but they would share in his glory. And, and here we see that Jesus is our model. Jesus suffered, but then there was glory. And in his economy, it was always suffering and then glory. You see, we want the glory without the suffering. Uh, but if we're walking in Jesus' footsteps, then we need to expect that there will be some suffering, that there will be trials, there will be difficulties that we'll face together. And uh, there is this hope of something better, something uh, wonderful, an inheritance that is ours. And he reminds those uh, elders uh, that we're together in this and we'll suffer together, but we'll also share the glory that Jesus is talking about. Now, he uses three titles for who these elders are. And I just want to, to understand this. Uh, he says to the elders, he addresses them as elders. They were, they were the leaders of the church. Um, and this has a, a long history, a, a very colored and storied history. It goes back all the way to the time of Moses, when Moses had 70 elders who uh, worked with him and helped give leadership to the nation. Um, when we go to the period of the synagogue, the elders are the ones that are in charge in the synagogue. And so it was just natural with Christianity coming uh, out of Judaism that the, uh, that the elders, uh, the leaders in the church rather, would be elders. And so it highlights really uh, the character and the dignity and the experience of those people who were selected to be elders.
Well, there was another term that is used uh, synonymously with elder, and that is shepherd. He says here um, that uh, be shepherds of God's flock. They were not only not only elders, they were pastors. That's what the sh a shepherd is, a pastor. They were responsible for caring for God's flock. And remember, it's God's flock. It isn't their flock. Um, we see over and over in the Old Testament, uh, and uh, one notable case is, is uh, Ezekiel chapter 34, where the leaders of the nation were called the shepherds, and they're called out for their misbehavior. Uh, but what a beautiful picture of what it is to be a leader in God's church. Not only your elders, uh, but you are shepherds over the flock. And that uh, for a lot of us, there will be a flood of images that come to us when we think of the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. Everything that that shepherd meant for them, cared for them, protected them, healed them when they were sick, uh, fed them, watered them. Uh, that's what shepherds that's what leaders in the church do and that's what he was calling them to their uh their calling to care for that flock with compassion and protection and correction and all the things that of course there's the beautiful picture of jesus as a shepherd as well jesus the good shepherd of the sheep well there's a third term that's used and that is overseer uh, sometimes in some of the older translations, translated bishop. Uh, Peter's audience was mostly Gentile. And so they would think of, of a term used for leadership in their world. They would think of the term overseer. And uh, we find the uh, characteristics for overseer to be found in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And uh, here we see that it highlights the oversight and the responsibility that is given to them. So three, three terms, but one office, one person, elder, uh, pastor, and uh, also overseer. And when God provides authority, I just want to go back to this again. When God puts people in, a in areas of responsibility, he does so not for their good, but for the good of those who are, they are serving. And it's important for us always to keep that in mind with any kind of leadership role that we have. The focus is, is on the people who are being led. Uh, that's the focus. It's for them. It's not for the shepherd or the elder. So the shepherds are part of God's flock. Uh, they are his and this is a stewardship. He grants us his flock to care for on his behalf. And we've got to remember always that they're his sheep and we would, uh, his flock, and we would care for them as he would have us do so. Well, he highlights three characteristics of what good shepherds or good elders are to do. Now, this is certainly not an exhaustive list at all, but the key is, is to the kind of leaders that they should be if they're going to help this flock through this difficult time. And uh, if they're going to have credibility, they'll need to have these kind of characteristics. Three of them. The first one is this. They serve willingly, not out of compulsion. They serve willingly. 
You don't have to force them to serve. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, it says here in the scripture, not because you must, but because you are willing as God wants you to be. God wants us to be willing. Uh, have you ever taken on a job or a responsibility that you didn't want to do? Perhaps somebody guilted you into it or you just felt I've been, I, I probably need to step up and help, but your heart's not in it. People can see that pretty quickly. Um, they find, uh, you know, when things go wrong, they, they're kind of, they don't want to hang around or if it gets tough, they don't want any part of that. And um, so uh, he says they need to be willing, not under compulsion. About a year and a half ago, Gerda and our oldest daughter uh, had, as they often do, uh, ideas and designs on redoing our staircase. They wanted all of the spindles painted. They want parts of the, of the stairs painted. And uh, I, I liked it as it was, frankly. I, did, I, I thought we didn't need to fancy it up in that way, but, but they really wanted to do that. And uh, they got all the stuff and started the preparation. And I'm sitting there like a lug. And this is between Christmas and New Year's. So I'm, I'm really not wanting to do that at that time. And uh, so I thought, I got to get in and help them. I got to tell you, my, my attitude was just lousy. If there was a little bit of paint that dropped and I've got to get it, I'd be huffing and puffing and snorting and, oh, well, get me something here. And, and I just wasn't a happy camper in all of that. Uh, I was complaining. I was exasperating. Uh, I, I just didn't want any part of that. And, and it says, like, if you have elders who somebody guilted them into becoming a leader in the church or somebody, they just took it on casually or haphazardly, uh, it will show. People will see through it that your heart really isn't in that. And he says, one of the things we need for, for elders, and particularly in these difficult times, we need the elders who can engage with full willingness. They are there because they want to be there. They're there because they felt called by God to do it, uh, not because somebody guilted them or uh, put pressure on them. And it's going to show Leadership can be exhausting. Leadership can be dis absolutely discouraging at times. And there are joys in it too. But going through those deep struggles, uh, you need to have people who are really committed and they're there for the long haul. And God wants a willing spirit from us. Uh, he wants uh, our heart to be in it. In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, uh, in verse 1, it says, uh, Paul says this, uh, whoever aspires to be an overseer or, or an elder desires a noble task. They aspire to it, uh, not, for, not for wrong motives. They really have a desire to serve. And those are the kinds of people that uh, we need. A godly uh, willingness, a desire to serve. Well, secondly, they're motivated by serving, not by money. You, some of you are saying, I find it hard to conceive that someone would go into church work to get rich um, as a means of accumulating wealth. That just doesn't make sense to a lot of us. But in fact, it can happen in different ways. And Peter is aware of the very seductive nature uh, uh, and lure of money in people's lives. Uh, he, can, he can see through that, that what, what really drives them what their idol is, what their God is, is really money and accumulating money and things. And, and uh, 
The Apostle Paul would say, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And, and so Peter says, you've got to watch out for this in terms of who your elders are. Peter can identify people who are unscrupulous uh, and a means to amass wealth for dishonest gain, it says in the scripture. Um, there are some church leaders who subscribe to uh, false teaching, promoting a, a wealth and a prosperity kind of platform that God wants you to have lots and lots of money. And uh, you can get lots of money if you give me lots of money. And so there are some of these people that are, uh, can be seen on television and, and have uh, these broad ministries who also have multiple jets um, multi-multi-million uh, dollar uh, houses and, and everything you can think of. And uh, they have people that give millions upon millions of dollars to them. And, uh, and uh, Peter says, you don't want that. You don't want somebody that's driven by money. Uh, I've seen people, I've, I've had experience with people in my church that have come uh, and asked me questions where someone was in their church and had a, uh, had a sense of this was a good person and they had uh, a, a kind of uh, program that you could uh, have retirement funds and, and what, it, what their investing scheme was really was a Ponzi scheme. And I saw people lose a lot of money while other people had millions of dollars and it was done in the name of Christianity and that's so discouraging and, and, and so Peter is saying you need to be eager to serve you've got to not be motivated by money but serving eagerly uh, that's the important thing and and uh, so we've got the third qualification that is they lead by modeling not by heavy-handedness they lead by modeling not heavy-handedness. Heavy he says here um, that what we want to do is to be eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. So uh, some people will abuse leadership. If they have uh, some kind of authority, they will use that for their own purpose. Now, remember I said, God's, in God's economy, we, if we have leadership responsibilities it is for the benefit of those we lead but here people can be nasty and and hard-hearted and and just abusive and, and their leadership is one where they dominate people and, and they try and uh, get people just to do what they want to do the church is God's church and he charges us with it if you, how can we be abusive to his church and to his flock we care for them on his behalf. Rather, we're to be examples. That word was also used of a pattern. You'd have a pattern for sowing something or, or creating something. You, you'd go from a pattern. And he says, what we have here is we need to have people who are examples, not heavy-handed, but who live a life and, and show a pattern for what godliness looks like. Uh, I've said, I've long said that in the church, the, the elders are really the poster children for the faith, or so they should be, that they're highly committed to Jesus Christ, that their life shows what it is to be a, a follower of Christ. And, and they, they live that out in, in a very beautiful and winsome way. 
Um, and the Apostle Paul really understood that because on more than one occasion, he said uh, something like this, follow me as I follow Christ. And most of us do not invite people to say, you follow me, because we're aware of our own struggles and our own failures. And, and, uh, but Paul said, you've got to be able to say that. If you're in the ministry, you've got to be able to say, follow me, do as I do, um, even as I follow Christ. People need an example. People need to be able to see what it looks like. And, uh, and what you, have you ever wondered why uh, advertisers will spend uh, contracts, uh, multi, multi-million dollar contracts to have, say, an athlete wear their, uh, their shoes or something like that because they know that model is, is something that is very effective. And if, if this uh, player that you like wears these shoes, you're going to get those shoes too. The Apostle Paul would say to uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, don't let anyone look down on you because of your, your young, but rather set an example for the believers in conduct, in love, in faith, in impurity. He said, look at, don't, Timothy, you're young. He was probably about 40 at the time, so young is relative. Uh, but he said, don't let people look down on you, but set a model, an example that people can follow and live what you are doing. We all need models to, fall, uh, to, to follow. And uh, in Hebrews 13 and verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. It, it, so elders are to be people that you can look at their life and follow the pattern that they have. Peter, you see, paints a lofty design for the church lead and her leaders. An awesome responsibility uh, to uh, an accountability. And it's sobering. In fact, in James 3, it says, don't be many teachers. And it was, that was part of the leadership. Don't be many teachers. Recognizing that you'll be judged more strictly or harshly. You don't take this on in a cavalier manner. You take it on and understand how serious it is and how sobering it is to consider to be an elder, how daunting it can be. Some are con uh, are, uh, someone is, is considering um, eldership needs to pause and do some introspection and, and to reflect inside. It's not to be entered into casually, uh, but thoughtfully and prayerfully. But not without God's blessing. We, we sounds like we've highlighted how tough it is. And, and it's not easy to be an elder. But it's not that it's without blessing as well. And so in verse 4, uh, here's, what, uh, here's what Peter says. And when the chief shepherd appears, you too will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. There's a reward for faithful service, he says. When the elders serve Christ well, as he desires, there's a reward for them that goes beyond this life. It goes into glory. It's an unfading glory. It's an eternal blessing from God. He says, when the chief shepherd appears, those of us who are shepherds or elders are under a chief shepherd, a chief elder, if you will, and that is Jesus Christ. And, and when we are faithfully living out for him, uh, he will bless that 
And that will be of great worth. One of the challenges we have is getting our head out of just today and living for the future because there's going to be something really wonderful. Well, he concludes this part. Uh, Peter calls the younger to respond properly to the church leaders. Listen to what it says in verse 5. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourself to your elders. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Peter calls the younger. Now we have the leaders in the church and then we have the rest of the church and he calls them the younger. And and, and he says to them, your responsibility is to respond to the leaders in your church, to submit yourself to the leaders and you're to clothe yourself with humility that when people see you, it's not like you've got sequins on walking around, but you're clothed in humility. Uh, and, and God opposes the proud, but gives favor to the humble. And, and so here he is saying, come on now, church, respond to the elders that God has given to you. God gifts leaders to the church. They need to respond to the leaders. They need to submit to the leaders. And I know when we're talking about things like submit and, and it, some of us, you know, it's, uh, we're going to get uptight about this and, and it's going to put us off somewhat. But remember, when God's leaders are working as they should be, they're working not for themselves, but for him and caring for the needs of others. And and listen to what Hebrews 13, 17 says. It says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Do you see what he says? He said, you are called to respond to your leaders in submission and obedience. We, that, that, that can be off-putting, but he says, look it, they're serving for your benefit. They need to give account. So don't make their work tough. It should be, you should help them to be a joy, not a burden. That would not be beneficial to you because all they want to do is help you become all that Christ wants. I remember I had a woman call me once and... Uh, she was concerned about her, uh, the church she was in was, was going through a very difficult time. And uh, she said to me, I, I just don't know what to do. And I, I asked her, I said, do you believe that God has given you godly leaders uh, that, that are wise? And she said, yes, I do. And I said, then follow your leaders and, and uh, listen to them and submit to them. And God will bless you in that. I want you to know that I am so uh, pleased with the elders that we have in our church. We have a, re- a very robust uh, process for vetting and, and, and having uh, uh, elders nominated and part of our congregation. I'm so grateful for that. But I want to ask you also, if you would pray for us, pray for the leaders of your church This has been a very difficult and challenging season. Uh, Thrust upon us uh, was something that has changed us and and provided a a lot of challenges. It's been a, a challenging time for our leaders. We need your prayers and we need your support as we move forward in this time. And, uh, we have good and godly men 
And uh, I, as we pray for them, we also ask that God would direct in the whole of our, of our church family and God's blessing would be upon us as we seek to live for him. And know that your elders are, are open and available to you. You can contact them. You can call them. And uh, our desire is to serve you, to help you as elders and shepherds uh, of this flock. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your, uh, your giving us the structure uh, to work and to help grow and care for the church. Lord, I pray that you would bless our elders. I pray that you would give them wisdom and help them as they uh, help navigate us through this difficult time. But I pray, Father, that uh, for our congregation, that they would be blessed through the love and service and leadership that our elders re render on behalf of Jesus Christ. And I pray for our family that you would help them uh, to grow in grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ, that you would help them to become all that you want them to become, and that our elders would so wonderfully help in that whole process. We commit them to your grace now, in Jesus' name. Amen.